Hello, Eagles fans. I'm Chris McPherson, joined alongside Bo Wolf and Fran Duffy here on a victory edition of the Eagles, Eagles Insider Podcast. Podcast. You know, as we're filming this, we're you know 12 hours removed from the Eagles' demonstrative win over the Carolina Panthers. I've actually begun running out of adjectives to describe it. Quite honestly, donkey whopping. Remember? Yeah, that that's one. I don't, I don't think I put that one in print anywhere yet, but. That's when you can add to the It's mix. early. It is early on Tuesday. But I, I do want to give Fran Duffy a round of applause here because as we were getting ready to do the kickoff show last night here from the NoCare Complex, we're talking about predictions. And I was, you know, I was being a little conservative. I figured an Eagles win something like 27 to 14. Fran didn't mess around. He went 52. 13. 52-13. 52-13. So I was a touchdown off from either way. So He wanted to top the Chicago Bears game. Not the Chicago Bears-Green Bay Packers game from last Sunday. He wanted to top the Sunday last night year's. win from last year. I just had a feeling going in watching both teams that it was not going to be a close game and uh, it, did, it did not disappoint. No, not whatsoever. Mark Sanchez, this was a stat that Adam Schefter from ESPN tweeted earlier today, that Mark Sanchez had over 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, and no turnovers for the first time in his career. That's absolutely amazing. Excellent. And he was the first quarterback since 1994 to – uh, lead his team to 45 points or more in his very first start. Really? I Jim Harbaugh was the last one for the Colts. Okay, okay. I think the bar was low enough that it was his first time over like 265 yards with that with that interception. So, nonetheless, yeah, welcome to the team. Nonetheless, outstanding performance, but you have to give credit to the defense and special teams first and foremost, in my opinion, because they really made the night easy for Sanchez. Obviously, he came in. Everyone's watching what he's going to do in his first start, replacing Nick Foles, who's injured with a collarbone fracture. But second play of the game, Casey Matthews forces his first career fumble. Cedric Thornton recovers. Eagles get the 3-0 lead. And then Cam Newton's first pass of the game, intercepted by Kerry Williams, and it leads to a Darren Sproles touchdown. So before Mark Sanchez really has to do a whole lot, they're already up 10 to nothing. Yeah, and I mean, and Casey Matthews had a, a great stretch over the first over the first four or five plays. Uh, you you touched on the forced fumble. Uh, he was in on the tackle for the first play. He was in on the tackle for the third play, and then he was the defender who actually dropped in underneath coverage uh, against Kelvin Benjamin. He was like, stop running the route. He made it uh, stop running the route. It. Yep. That uh, that Carrie Williams was able to jump it and come up with the interception. So. He still, uh, he still should have kept running, though. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree <laughs> with that. But uh, Casey Matthews had a, had a great game last night. Uh, the whole defensive front, I mean, I thought Benny Logan was – every week there's always one of those guys up front that stands out. I thought Benny Logan was excellent last night. Uh, just the job that he did against Ryan Khalil, uh, against those two guards that he had to go up against, you know, play in and play out, he was outstanding. So they had, they had 13, like, big plays on defense. There were nine sacks, five turnovers. One of them was a, a sack and a turnover. And ten different guys were involved in those plays. So that tells you just how, how the depth of the impressiveness of, of the defense was last night. And Benny Logan wasn't even in on any of those. No. So yeah, I'd, so I'd I believe you, Malcolm you Jenkins may not be the one, one either, and he's been one of the big play guys all year. That's exactly Close. right. Close. So. He, he should have had a pick, I think, at one point in the game. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, though, the defense was outstanding. And really the, the play early on, it was in the first quarter, that turned a tide, in my opinion, was the Darren Sproles punt return. The Eagles force a punt. It was 10-7 to 7 at that point. The Panthers had their one nice drive. They exchanged a couple of punts. But then all of a sudden, they get the ball, and Sproles goes straight up the middle. The fact that the punter, you know, outkicked the coverage, as you say, you know, gave, gave it right to Sproles in the middle of the field, goes past midfield, then cuts to the corner, and just races past the punter in uh, Brad Norman there for the 65-yard touchdown. His second punt return 
touchdown of the season. And at the time, it was the Eagles' eighth return touchdown of the season, which already doubled more than any other team in the league. And at that point on, it was the first of 35 consecutive points for the Eagles as they put the game away. Most first-half points they've scored since that uh, also a donkey-whopping on Monday Night Football <laughs> of the Washington Redskins in, in 2010. So. Uh, which is impre- I mean, you think about the the Bears game last yeah. year, the Giants game this year, uh, and that was the most points they put up. So, the just impressive all era. Another impressive stat. Okay. Uh, I think this one came from NFL. Uh, this was Darren Sproles on that punt return for Don't a touchdown. All sta- our stats come from the NFL. That's well, no, that, the the one I gave earlier was from ESPN. Yeah, uh, but, but it's mm-hmm. an NFL stat. So okay, what's well, an NFL stat? <laughs> uh, but that touchdown from Sproles made him the first player in NFL history okay. to record a rushing touchdown and a punt return touchdown in the first quarter of a game. And that was his first game with a rushing touchdown <laughs> and a receiving touchdown in the same game. That's impressive. Like That's not Wait. true. That's not true. Rushing Is it? T- yes. Rushing and the returning? The first game of his career in which he scored a rushing touchdown and a, rece- uh, return, a return touchdown, touchdown in the same game. Really? Oh, there you go. Yeah, I say. Interesting. I believe it was his seventh career return touchdown. We do, we're just like full of stats today. I mean, how can you not be? After yeah, a, after a game uh, like after that. After 45 to 4. And he's so short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but then going back to Sanchez. So then Sanchez, he gets in the rhythm. And Jordan Matthews, you know, going into the game. I wasn't sure what to make of the whole chemistry thing. Yes, during training camp and preseason, the two had a great rapport. It seemed like you know they worked together all summer on the second team offense, and it seemed like that every pass that Sanchez had went to Matthews. And yes, when Sanchez came into the game against Houston, the first touchdown that he throws as an eagle goes to Jordan Matthews. And people are asking, and a lot of people from fantasy, they're like, oh, so what do you think of Jordan Matthews? And I'm like, look, I mean, sure, I think he has a chance to make some plays, and maybe he can make something out of the chemistry aspect, but I wasn't going overboard with it. I'll admit that I was wrong with that. Seven catches over 100 yards. He had over 100 yards in the first half. He had over. He well, it's still early, but but yeah. I mean, last night. Yes. Unreal. Two touchdowns on, on the one drive. Four catches for over 70 yards, which on that drive alone was a career high. <laughs> the last rookie receiver to do that. In, in oh, another game. stat. Another Randy stat. Moss. Randy, Randy Moss. Randy Moss on, on Monday Night Football, the last guy to get. I think it was four catches for 70 yards uh, on one drive. Was Randy yeah. Moss. Interesting. Sam Hollowell would appreciate that. Andy Mouse. Right, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, really, I mean, like, when it, <laughs> it was good. You, you uh, need to watch the video part of the podcast yeah. to enjoy that. Um, Can't you be running like Randy Mouse? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, really, with really Matthews, I mean, they did a lot of good mouse. things to uh, to really kind of get him open underneath. They ran a couple of different plays that we haven't seen from them so far, and Sanchez did a great job delivering to him in stride and uh, letting him gain those yards after catch, and that was a big thing that he was able to do at Vanderbilt throughout his career. Uh, was get yards after catch, so uh, they did a good job getting them, the, you know, getting the ball in space. We talked about it last week, but uh, again, to me, the most impressive thing about about Sanchez running the offense—that is the quickest I have seen this Chip Kelly offense move since he got here. I mean, he was getting them to the line. I mean, we, we've never seen the refs ha- have to call a play dead because yes. they're not ready to officiate yeah. the play yes. <laughs> before the first touchdown to Jordan Matthews. That play was like. That was like uh, back to the Sal Palantonio uh, silly report of like uh, they want to get the ball snapped three seconds after the play yeah. is over. Like that's how quick it was. Uh, it was it was really impressive. And then the other thing, his uh, his pocket awareness, the w- the way he was able to uh, move away from some guys in the pocket, step up in the pocket uh, at certain times, and keep his eyes downfield, and keep his mm-hmm. eyes downfield. It was it was really impressive. Yeah, real good awareness about him. Brent, you watched the tape. Go back to Jordan Matthew for a second. There was the one third down conversion he had where they had the two receivers line up to the right and it looked like that typically 
Chip Kelly wants to space guys out, and we were talking about this during the postgame show presented by Rico with Dyke Reese. Did it look like that it was something mistaken? Was when we were watching or? on TV, that's why I said to Ike. I said I, I wasn't sure, you know, because like like we said last night, typically Chip Kelly doesn't run routes like that where guys are kind of right on top of each other. This one was different. They ran it. They mm. they bought Matthews in motion, and him and Ertz both ran the same route. Uh, Matthews was underneath of Ertz, and re- I mean it served as like just a natural rub. I mean he was able to get a clean release. It uh, wasn't touched, and he was able to. It was. You're going to take this matchup every time. It was Colin Jones and Thomas Davis matched up on Zach Ertz and Jordan Matthews in space, and uh, it turned into a big game for Matthews. Lots of people are questioning whether Zach Ertz can can be more involved in the offense. I mean, we don't need it's this is this is hand wringing because the Eagles are, are being uh, so efficient on offense right now. But from what you see, uh, do you do you think there's still room to to utilize Ertz more? I mean, it, then I I feel like the <coughs> the same people that would say, oh well, how come Ertz isn't getting the ball? Will say. Oh well, how come Jordan Matthews isn't getting the ball? How come Darren Sproles isn't getting the ball? I mean, there's there's only one ball to go around, and I, I there have been weeks where Zach Ertz has been the guy. You know, we saw the the win against uh, the Giants where he was a huge factor in the win. Uh, look, he's a huge part of the offense, and people from a fantasy perspective are going to complain about you know how come I can't count on this guy, but he's an incredible talent, and he's a huge matchup problem that the Eagles use to their advantage. Well, I think they're probably complaining more so because they see Brent Selleck have the big hundred yard game and. I thought Selleck did a great job of finding the holes in his own coverage. Sanchez kept looking downfield, was buying time in the pocket to look for him. And Selleck just showed that, you know, he can still be the crafty veteran that, you know, even though he's doing everything right on the field, being the blocker, you know, sacrificing himself and the statistic from that standpoint that, you know, hey, every once in a while it's nice to get the ball in the offense and to show that he can still move the chains. Yeah, no question about it. It was obviously, I think it was, that was his best receiving day of the season by far. Oh, yes. Uh, And, you know, they, he he fell just short. It was uh, very much like the touchdown that he got taken away from him last year against the Redskins That's on right. that screen play, uh, just short of the one yard line. But oh, no. against Washington, yeah, against the Redskins, yeah, yeah it was the screen oh, play, yeah, against Washington. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a great game for Selleck. One of the things uh, out of our coverage last night that I enjoyed from you, Bo, was the defense story because it was so hard to kind of put the great night that they had. You mentioned all the plays. They scored a touchdown from Bradley Fletcher, nine sacks, the most since the, the Pittsburgh game against Ben Roethlisberger back in uh, 2008. Right. How, how do you package all that into a story? And you went around the locker room and just kind of was like, what was your favorite play of the night? What was your most memorable moment? And you got some really good reactions from the different guys. I, I really enjoyed reading that. Yeah, it was funny. It started because uh, Connor Barwin was talking about how his favorite, because he, you know, he was asked about having three and a half sacks uh, and a big night and getting to 10 and a half on the season. He said his favorite play of the night was Fletcher Cox's sack because he's been so close all season. He finally got one, and you could see Fletcher going going crazy yeah. afterwards. Uh, but everybody had sort of different reactions. Mo- th- the most popular answer was Bradley Fletcher because he scored because he gets uh, a lot of uh, heat for yeah. not catching the ball sometimes, and, and it was funny because guys were talking about that. <laughs> uh, but Bradley Fletcher said that his favorite stuff was the sacks because it's all interconnected. Everybody was picking out a different player's play Except for Brandon Graham, whose favorite play was... <laughs> I wasn't going to point that out. But <laughs> whose favorite play was his own tackle for loss, which, was, which is fair because he says everybody gives him uh, you know, smack for not being able to stop the run. Yes. So, he was, so you know, he, had, he had a sack and a half and a forced fumble, but that wasn't his favorite play. It was the, the big tackle for loss. So uh, you can tell that these guys uh, on the defense really do sort of care about the interconnectivity of all the different units, and, uh, and they're, they're happy for each other. My favorite part of the coverage last night was... I'm going to assume that it was you uh, 
on the Eagles Insider Twitter account, <laughs> after Barwin's sack started to pile up, the, the various hashtag Barwinning uh, forms that came about, uh, I would think it was – Bar sacking. Bar sacking. Bar winter is coming. I like, yes. I, I like that. I'm not at the Game of Thrones. Uh, my favorite was Bar Winstagram with the, uh, the half Barwin, half uh, Brandon Graham. Thank so you. I, I had to think of something that was going to uh, incorporate the two of them. My favorite Eagles Insider tweet last night was when at uh, uh, Eagles tweeted a picture of – uh, Fletcher Cox celebrating after his sack, w- and it said, "Caption this," uh, and I said, uh, uh, "Eagles defensive tackle Fletcher Cox <laughs> celebrates after a, after uh, a sack, the Eagles seventh of the game." Just like a very, <laughs> just, very <laughs> just like a very. <laughs> so that was my favorite one. Yes, it was good because you got to throw the curveball. Everyone's right. expecting, "Oh, what what do you think is he going to say now?" So, but I would agree. I was also very happy for Fletcher Cox because a lot of people get on him because he's had an outstanding season. Unbelievable. But he doesn't rack up the, the flashy stats. You know, he doesn't put up the numbers like a J.J. Watt, so he's not going to get that kind of recognition. Who does? But still, everyone looks at, well, hey, you're a 3-4 defensive end. You could still get sacks, too. He hasn't been able to do that. So for him to get on the board, very, very impressive. Would you say that, that Connor Barwin is a better pass rusher this season than he was last season, or is it more about uh, opportunities? I think the role. Like that? I, I think it's it's more about the opportunities. I mean, we've talked about it on, on this podcast before about sacks and you know how they just they kind of come in bunches and uh you know he's he's put in more situations this year he's gotten but he has gotten a little bit better uh you know you see him go speed to power and he's worked a spin move uh very often this year uh i mean he abused that right tackle last night and that left guard that one th- uh, oh. was that still that one yeah, yeah he, he tripped he over just Cam oh he tripped <laughs> yeah he did oh. trip. now the one that he got on the vine the right of him just pushing him over yeah, yeah the <laughs> one that he got on the right tackle that was straight barwin like but you know uh, pushing him back into the backfield. And was that Nate Chandler? Yeah. I mean, that, that was straight Barwin. But, um, you know, and then he got one on the spy, you know, when he was spying Newton as well. Uh, they used Graham and, and Barwin as spies on Newton, and it worked out really well. Uh, it was a, a great defensive performance. It just seemed like they had so much fun reading the story about the defense. Michael Kendricks was talking about how much smack that he was talking in the locker room. And it was like after a couple of plays in, they were like, we got this. Like they, they just knew it before was the game. Night. He said they, they, they wanted to get eight sacks. He said he, he talked to Trey Thomas about that. They wanted oh, eight really? sacks before the game. <laughs> Ended up getting nine, I guess. So, yeah. not bad. But I mean, listen, uh, it's a great win for the Eagles. But you, I mean, it's a short week now going into Lambeau. It's supposed to be very cold weather. This is going to be, you know, we've say certain times along the season. This is going to be a real test. But uh, going up against this Packers offense, I think we'll really learn a lot about about the Eagles defense. A monumental test, to say the very least, especially Aaron Rodgers. The, the thing, it's going to be recency biased because Aaron Rodgers coming off that six-touchdown performance, and he's been outstanding at Lambeau this season. But well, the week before... He, he's the best quarterback in football. It's not just but, recency bias. I, would, I mean, And it's interesting, but, too. The, I think one of the narratives for this week will be, you look at these two teams, obviously they played a year ago. Last year going into this game, Rodgers was hurt. We were going in to face Seneca Wallace. This year, we... And, Nick Foles was coming off his seven-touchdown performance against the Raiders. Now the tables are turned a little bit. We're going into Lambeau with Mark Sanchez, and Aaron Rodgers is coming off this unbelievable performance against Forgot the Forgot that it was after the seven-touchdown yeah, performance right. last year. So Mark Sanchez, Seneca Wallace, yeah, I'll, Scott Tol- and it ended up being and Scott Tolzien right. in the end. So. so I said this after the game last night. I think that this game on Sunday night will end up being for the number one seed in the NFC. Mm. I – I think you might be right. I mean, it, look, this this Packers team is going to win the North. I think. Uh, I think Detroit will they'll have something to say about it, but I think the the Packers have enough weapons to kind of take it to that defense. 
Um, Packers are six and three. Detroit's seven and two. So I, it's yeah, one I, game. Agree, I agree. And then you got you got the West. Arizona's I think they're gonna kind of beat one, up, but beat up on each other. Yeah. But and then you know, they, they lost Carson Palmer, Palmer for the season. No so Seattle six and three. Obviously Dallas seven and three. Only a game behind. We've got two games left with them. <sighs> yeah. Might be right. Yeah, they're sad. They're calling for a forty percent chance of snow on it's Sunday. Supposed to be like seventeen mm. degrees. Bo's gonna love it. Yeah, Bo, Bo's you're going up there, Bo. Yeah, Bo will be in Lambeau. There you go. Very much enjoying it. How did you? You went up for the first time last year. Is that correct? Uh, first time uh, working. I went working. Once, okay. Uh, uh, to watch a game, but um, it's it's awesome. I mean, Lambeau is awesome. It's yeah. it's very. Cool. It's everything they say it is. So yeah. I know there's gonna be a lot of Eagles fans going up there. If you go up, you have to check out the museum. If yes. you have time before the game, the it's museum cool. is outstanding. They do a very good job with that. All right, so enough of hearing from us. We're going to bring in our special guest, former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, who is the sideline reporter for Westwood One Radio's broadcast of the Eagles-Panthers. So we want to get his take and what he saw on the field and you know his thoughts on Mark Sanchez and the way that the Eagles defense performed, especially from the offensive lineman perspective. Our special guest on this week's Eagles Insider Podcast is none other than the illustrious Ross Tucker, who you can follow on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, former offensive lineman in the NFL. He's the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, also on Sirius NFL Radio. And last night on Monday Night Football, he was the sideline reporter for Westwood One Radio. That's why we wanted to bring him in onto the show today to get his take on what he saw from the Eagles in their 45-14 to win over the Carolina Panthers. Ross, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast. And my initial question to you, what were your initial thoughts coming out of the game on Monday night for the Eagles? Well, absolutely my pleasure. And everything you said was correct, except calling me illustrious, which is a a, a bold-faced lie. Obviously a tremendous all-around performance for the Eagles. I thought Sanchez looked very sharp, you know, maybe a little bit, he was not on the same page at times with Jason Kelsey, the center, with the snap count, and even with the receivers, specifically Riley Cooper. But for the most part, uh, he looked really sharp. He looked very comfortable. There was a sense of urgency in everything he did that I really liked. I liked his tempo. Um, he looked so comfortable. His movement skills really showed up, especially on the one touchdown pass to Jordan Matthews. All around, I'd say, a really really good start for Mark Sanchez. Defensively, I think the Eagles might have been even more impressive with what they did on that side of the ball. Although, frankly, it's hard for me to know how much of that should be credit to the Eagles' defense, and certainly there's some, and how much of that should be critique of of Cam Newton, who just looked out of it from start to finish. You know, the Panthers insisted to me, many people on the Panthers, that there's nothing wrong with Cam physically, so if that's the case, it certainly looked like there was something wrong with him mentally because he was not into the game, but I think we got to give Billy Davis and that Eagles defense some credit for that. They had a pretty good scheme in place, uh, including Connor Barwin spying Cam Newton, which was really, really effective. Ross, any kind of uh, special insights or, or nuggets you can give us from being on the sideline during the game? Any, any fun stories you, you have to relay? Uh, always, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I, I think I, I spent most of the time on Carolina's sideline because it's funny. This is a little inside baseball, but as a sideline reporter, there's always a lot less people on the away team sideline. You know, so it's always a lot less crowded. Um, and it was just interesting, you know, talking to some, some Panthers people about, um, you know, Cam Newton, and they said, no, he's fine. That's just him. They also said that, 
kind of a guy that he wears his emotions on the sleeve, and you can tell how he is going to perform based on how the team's doing, which I didn't really think was a great sign, right? I mean, if things are going well, then he's riding high and he's going to make a lot of plays. If they start to struggle, you know, he has a tendency to kind of get really down, which is scary. Probably the funniest thing that happened from an Eagles perspective is right after the game, Derek Boyko from Eagles PR uh, had me set up to interview Chip Kelly. And so I was, you know, excited after the game, big win, getting a chance to interview Chip right as he's running off. And uh, I won't say exactly what Chip said. Um, but, uh, was it no means no? Well, well no, no, no. It wasn't no means no, but he wasn't expecting it. And he made it very clear that he needed to go into the bathroom as soon as possible. <laughs> that that was going uh, to be a very short interview, and, and it was. I mean, he was he was brief, and I won't say what he said right before the interview, but he had to go into the bathroom. And uh, as soon as I was done asking him my three or four questions, he ran very fast into the locker room. It's all about tempo. A, a truce. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's all about tempo and everything in life. A true seasoned sideline reporter, Ross. Uh, you were also a seasoned veteran offensive lineman. Talk about the change that Matt Tobin had to make throughout the week last week, transitioning from the left side where he practiced all through the preseason at, at left guard and then obviously in season, making the switch over to the right side. What are, what are the things that he has to work on when you know, you're switching sides of the formation like that? It's a really good question, and the answer is it's not easy. It's not as easy as you would think um, because – Everything is different. Your stance is different, right? So instead of having your left foot back, right foot up, your right foot's back, left foot's up. Instead of having your left hand down, your right hand's down. And that might not sound like much, but when you're 300-plus pounds trying to block other 300-plus pounders and trying to move very quickly while doing it, you, know, you want to feel comfortable. You want, you want to be doing movements and have a body posture that you're accustomed to. I thought Tobin played great. I think he's an excellent, excellent find by Howie Roseman, Ed Manowitz, and the entire you know, Eagles personnel department. To get a guy like that that's been able to plug in at left guard and right guard, play as well as he did. Now, the good news is he got a lot of snaps last week, right? It's not like he was thrown into the fire. I- I've been in that situation where they move you at the last second. That's tougher. You know, At least he got all the reps last week and was able to get as comfortable as possible before going out there. But I've often said, in most offenses, the right guard is the most physically demanding position of the three interior offensive line positions because of how often that guy is isolated one-on-one in pass protection. I thought Tobin played great. I think he's a stud. I really do. I I think think he has a chance to, to maybe win that job for the long haul. Ross, what is the mindset of the players in the locker room when a backup quarterback goes in? Does everyone feel like that they have to raise their individual game up a level to kind of make up for what the backup quarterback has to do to try to help them out? You know, I don't think so. I mean, maybe maybe subconsciously, but in my experience, guys are typically so just focused on their job. You know, people don't know this, but when you all put the line in the huddle, you know, about 75% of what Sanchez says or whoever the quarterback is, the offensive linemen have no idea what he's talking about, and it doesn't pertain to them. Now, he might say, you know, you know, two jet spider, two wide banana all cross. 
the only thing that matters to the offensive lineman is the two jets. That means they're blocking the four D lineman and the will linebacker if he blitzes. The rest of the stuff doesn't matter to them. And I point that out because you'd be amazed how little offensive linemen know and care a lot of times about who's even in the game. I mean, I think we saw the Peters quote where he didn't realize Sanchez was in the game. I don't really know how that happened, but um, I can tell you from experience that when I was in Buffalo, I wouldn't know if it was Travis Henry or Willis McGahee that was the running back because they were behind me in the huddle, and I wouldn't turn around to look. I didn't really care. You know, I mean, you're really just going about your assignment. You're keying on the defense, what they're doing. So I don't think that, that people really take the time to look at it that way. So as we take a step back here, Ross, and, and look at the big picture of the NFC, Eagles 7-2 and two atop the NFC East, a, a half a game ahead of the Cowboys. Arizona 8-1, and one, but they lost Carson Palmer to that torn ACL. Detroit pretty impressive at 7-2, and two, but uh, a big game at Lambeau on Sunday between the Eagles and Packers. My prediction, and I said this earlier, I think that this game is for the number one seed in the NFC come the playoffs. Probably right. Now, obviously, Arizona and Detroit are going to have a lot to say about that right now, and deservingly so, and maybe even Dallas, although I doubt it. But I'm with you. I don't picture Arizona or Detroit getting to 13 or even 12 wins right now, whereas I do think both the Eagles and the Packers are capable of that. So I think that's a pretty good assessment, and I think we'll learn a lot more about Mark Sanchez and this Eagles defense after Sunday. You know, I know people are excited about Sanchez, and rightfully so. It's kind of hilarious to me, you know, and the stuff I do on the radio or even Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL or my podcast. But it seems like right now, guys, there's a line that goes right through the state of New Jersey, right around Trenton. And everybody above that line who are Jets fans, they think Sanchez stinks. And everybody below that line has Sanchez mania, Sanchez fever right now. And I think my guess is it's probably neither one of them are right. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And there's a lot to be excited about in terms of how he performed last night. But it's just one game. And all the questions about you know him and Foles and long term, I really believe that those will be sorted out over the course of the season. But he's going to have a much, much stiffer test on Sunday than he had last night. Ross, we want the answers now. We don't want things to sort themselves out. Come on. We just want to have definitive hey, answers. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. If he keeps playing the way he played last night, and I think there's a chance of that, I don't think Nick Foles gets the job back because why would you do that? Now, off-season money, that makes a little bit of a difference. We'll see how he would perform in the playoffs. But I can't imagine that Chip Kelly would put Nick Foles back in after six to eight weeks off if Sanchez can roll like he did last night. In fact, I, I, I'd be shocked if he did. Tremendous insight from Ross Tucker. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, and you can download the Ross Tucker Football Podcast on iTunes or wherever else podcasts are available, and you can hear him also on Sirius NFL Radio. Ross, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. All right, special thanks again to Ross Tucker for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. And is, it, is it Ross Tucker or Tucker Ross? Shoot, I always forget. I always mess up on these things. I don't want to entertain this anymore. <laughs> so, Bo, every week. so Bo thinks <laughs> this Sunday's matchup is going to determine the number one seed in the NFC. So we decide to go through an exercise and plan out and predict the playoff seedings and who will actually make 
the postseason here in both the AFC and the NFC. And Since uh, our, our original season predictions got wiped from the record books. Yeah. So no one has any record of, of yes. me predicting uh, Minnesota to the playoffs. Well, we have it right now, then. And all of us taking Tampa Bay. We did take yes. Tampa Bay. Listen, Tampa point. Bay could still make – they could win the division yes. at 5-11. and 11. <laughs> <laughs> They might. It's a lot of football left to play. Okay. <laughs> should, we, should we start with the NFC or the AFC? Let's go build AFC. Build let's go AFC. Yeah, let's yeah. go AFC. Now, now, Fran seems real confident over there. The AFC there were just a wild couple card races is, is very interesting. Yeah, there are a couple. Yeah. There are a couple teams that I think are going to vie for that spot. All right, all right. I'm just going to go through. They real have quick. 11 teams over 500 in the conference. That's anyway. Yeah, that's 11 more than are in the NFC South. Um, so <laughs> you've got uh, <laughs> with the number one seed in the AFC, I've got New England, uh, Denver at two. Okay, I, got a, I have them flipped. Okay, Indianapolis at three. Agree. Cleveland at four. Ooh. Uh, Cincy at five, and Miami at six. Wow. Cincy? Cincy, yes. Cincy. Andy Dalton? Yeah. I looked hard. Oh. I went with Cleveland's schedule uh, on the back end is very, very – they've got Houston, Atlanta, Buffalo, Cincy again, Carolina, and Dallas. That's – they're going to – there's at least four wins in there. Okay. okay. So that gets them to okay. 10, and, 10 and 6 at least. I've got Baltimore at four. Taking Ooh. that division. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do as well, so. Uh, oh, wow. I've got uh, – Kansas City at the five seed, uh, and then I have Miami at the six seed. No, no Cleveland for me. Although, though you're you're, you're swaying me with the easiness of their end of season. I'm schedule. looking at Baltimore's schedule right now. The only I just think they're the best team in that division. Baltimore's got the Saints this weekend, the Chargers, Win. the Dolphins, the Jaguars, Lost. Texans, Browns. Jaguars, Texans, Browns is a pretty nice way to end the season. I don't know. That's a tough one, man. Browns that could be for the division. Yeah, that could be. So, so I went with Fran with Patriots Broncos at the top. Yep. Uh, Colts Ravens and then Chiefs Browns. I have the Browns getting the other wild card. Okay. Did, who did you have in your wild card? Miami. I have Chiefs okay. Miami. Yeah. You have Chiefs, Chiefs Miami. Oh, so we okay. I went. I went Miami as well. So we all we've we've all uh, we've got four teams for three spots between the three of us. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. There you go. No San Diego. No Pittsburgh. No Buffalo. I would say San Diego is the biggest shocker. Not making it in, out of the three guys. Bert, BT is shaking his head. Philip Rivers. Because of yeah. how far he's fallen, and I guess the team overall has fallen the last couple of weeks. I think I had him as the MVP. You did. That's right. When we, where we that did that not get expunged from, our, from the record. Yeah, so that is on the, <coughs> on the record book. So. Would you? This is a, a quick aside. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I forget who said this in the press box last night, but would you say that Darren Sproles has been the Eagles MVP this season so far? I got to think it's yes. Tim Macklin. Oh, so I went. Yeah, I went Macklin. We had this. Uh, we did the the we poll yeah, on right. Eagles three sixty, and I went. Ah, that's right. And I went Macklin. And after it's last, so now, now it's last night because you look at Sproles and you get the recency it's, bias. It's recency again. bias again. Yes, I'd probably go Cody Parkey, but Sproles is in the conversation. Sproles is in the conversation. I feel I probably <laughs> lean towards Macklin, just more on the consistent basis, the week to week. Even though Sproles' big plays have been. Game changing plays, but at the same time, Macklin's touchdowns have been huge. Have been huge yes. touchdowns as well. So it's just that when Sproles gives you that spark, I mean, it's quite a spark. It's not subtle whatsoever. San Diego's schedule, by the way, at the end of the year is Oakland, St. Louis, win, Baltimore, loss. Patriots at home, loss, Broncos at home, loss, at San Fran, at Kansas City. Ooh, could be two tough. and five. It could be that's a two and five yeah. to finish the season. I mean, they'll or win, I, they'll well, win a couple of them. But they might yeah. go four and three or five and two. two. Yeah. I mean, that's a, San Diego's a tough team. That's true. There's seven games, so it could be any of those. Could be any of those. Could be one and six. <laughs> could be six and one. Yeah. It could be. It could be zero oh and seven. 
It won't be seven. It won't be zero and seven. Could be zero six and one. Could be ties. Seven and zero. That's right. All right. Let's let's go NFC. All right. So want to kick us off, C Mac? I'll kick us off. So at the tippy top, I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. I I think they'll finish the season strong. I think Mark Sanchez will lead the offense. Defense is playing outstanding right now. Uh, Obviously, just one week overcoming the loss of D'Amico Ryan's, but certainly you see the confidence and special teams once again stepping up in a huge way. So I think Eagles top. Go Packers, number two, winning the North. I think Arizona will hold on to win the West. It's a tough one. Interesting. Uh, new, I have New Orleans coming out of the South. At what record? Seven and nine? Uh, <sighs> what are, right, right now they're five and four. Right now they're, no, they're four, four and five. five. Four, they're four and five right now. They're four and five right now. So this they'll this, be like they'll wait, play like nine and seven. They'll, I, they'll I think their schedule is easy coming up. They'll finish well, like yeah, because they play their own division. Well, yeah, they've got coming up. They've got. Uh, Cincinnati at home and Andy Dalton, Kay. Baltimore at home, at Pittsburgh. So they got the the NFC North or mm-hmm. AFC North trip. Then you've got Carolina, Chicago, Atlanta, Tampa. Yeah, they finish. They'll finish strong. They'll finish strong. They'll finish strong. They'll finish strong. Oh, uh, the wild not card. That good. That's the no, but yeah. The wild card went with the defending champs, Seattle, the number five, meaning that they will get to do the reverse of the the team that has the. Right. Went to division Seven with the worst right. record right. Yep. from a couple of years ago. And uh, I went with Detroit at number six. Okay. Okay. I have the same six teams. Wow. Uh, so I no have, Dallas. I have uh, Green Bay. That's right. <laughs> For the record, I don't have I don't have Dallas in either. We have the same six teams across the board. Oh, right. across the board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got Green Bay winning uh, the conference at number one. I just – I think they're going to win this weekend. It's it's at Lambeau. I, Great. I would, I would Mr. Mr. Optimist. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at, at the two, Seattle at three, winning the NFC West, uh, New Orleans at four, Detroit at five, and then Arizona, Drew Stanton just holding on for the last wild card spot. You had the Lions at five. Or the Lions at five. We have the same NFC uh, playoff picture. I I, I went you with had Seattle. Philadelphia at one. Oh, I do have. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I do have Philadelphia at one, uh, Green Bay at two, Homers. Mm-hmm. Seattle at three, New Orleans at four, um, and then the Lions and Cardinals. The only thing that it'll be interesting to see how the West pans out because this was a big win for San Francisco this week. Uh, obviously, we know the issue with Carson Palmer and how that could affect the race. And Seattle has a really tough schedule down the stretch. So they're going to need to pick up their game because they're still not hitting it on all cylinders like they were you know, in the beginning. Well, they the found season. the run game. Yeah. They found the run game against true. the Giants. So, And I think they but realize if they can go to that formula. A lot of teams have also found the run game against the Giants is the only thing. So we'll see if they're uh, if they're able to sustain. <laughs> we'll see. Are we are we burying Dallas prematurely? Are we? Could they sneak in and get last that, week? That six my thing my thing with Dallas is last week was just so odd. They make the trip to London and there's all the drama about first Tony Romo. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Should they give him some more rest? All right, that's one thing. And then the day of the game, you know, all those reports, all the reports about yeah. you know they're trying to bury Des Bryant because obviously there's contract negotiations that have to come up. So I'm sure they're putting that out there to try well, to. I should have told Tony Romo not to throw to him. You know, and then and then the thing about the curfew, I don't know who lets that one out. Yeah. But again, it's it just looks like you know you have Jerry saying one thing, you have Jason Garrett saying another thing about oh did they have curfew? Did they not have curfew? Oh we couldn't enforce it this and that and. They were it probably they were probably going on Eastern or, or on Texas time. They didn't realize it was it was London curfew. No. So the the Cowboys are currently seven and three. They've got us twice, and I think I think we sweep Dallas, uh, Indy, the Giants, the Redskins, and then Chicago as well. So that's three wins. That gets them to ten. Maybe wins. three yeah. wins. Maybe three wins. 
We'll see. I think they get to ten. But ten. but Arizona just needs three Correct. to get to ten. To get to, so exactly. get to eleven. To eleven, yeah. Yep. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna yeah. be fun. Seattle Seattle schedule will close it. You have Kansas at Kansas City. You have the Cardinals twice, the 49ers twice, the Eagles and the Rams. So that's that's the that's, 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 that's it. So they control yeah. their destiny. They control their they destiny. Really control no their question destiny. about it. They've got the two toughest teams in their division twice. They got the other division team once, uh, Kansas City and us. So at the end of the day, do any of us really control our own destiny? <laughs> <laughs> the philosopher, it's a, Bo yeah, Wolf. It's, it's, if it's our destiny, it's going to happen anyway, right? It's you know, food for thought. And that should be your your last. Uh, that should be on a fortune cookie for <laughs> your <laughs> weekly Eagles Beakley order, or the next Wolfston podcast. <laughs> fortune cookies from Bo. I gave I gave Bo a, a good, uh, what I thought was at least a funny like little thing that he could have used for Wolfston. I didn't. Everybody give gives them something that's a funny. I, I liked it, thing. but but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my idea. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's not the Wolfston. It's the. How many could I? I, I mean. You, your idea was that was the guys with uh, names of cities, and I looked into it for. I did look into it. All right, well at least because Carolina into had it. Trey Boston and Philly Brown, um, DC Jefferson, DC Jefferson, Miles Former Austin, Rutgers great, Miles Austin, that's a good one. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know where to go with it. It's all right. Next week's edition of Duffy Den. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know uh, what? Maybe you have to have another awkward Fran, interview with Jordan Matthews. Franduel.com. Uh yeah well listen, I mean, did 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 Jordan Matthews not reap the benefits of being in the Wolfsden by going for career high? That, exactly, that that's Sunday? what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The Wolfsden bump is real. I was hoping it was the Game Day Magazine uh, cover push uh, with Connor, Connor Barwin, three right. and a half sacks. That's right. So I was hoping that was for him. We'll have so. to. You know what? I'm gonna look into which which uh, is more substantial: the Wolfsden like bump that. or the Game Day bump. Good. I like that. I actually have an opposite. That me and Ike have been going back and forth. Uh, we have an uh, a, it's not in our favor. Uh, whoever we feature in our scouting report segment, week week in week out, has been pretty good for the opposing. Obviously, you know, it hasn't killed us, but uh, we did Alan Hearns against the Jaguars. Did you do okay. did you John Brown? We did John Brown. Yeah. We did J.J. Watt. We did Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, we did Kelvin Benjamin didn't do anything. He scored two he's touchdowns. I, know, I mean, like, fans, you know, if you have any fans, you're right. happy. I'm just saying, in terms of production, because uh, you know, ultimately, JJ Watt, you know, they, they lost by a couple scores too. Can you do Devonte Adams this week? No, we're doing Mike Daniels this week. I think he's. I, I think Mike Daniels. We haven't really <laughs> talked about Green Bay. I think Mike Daniels is the best player on the defense. Really? Yeah. North Jersey guy too. Really? That's from this area. Might have grown up an Eagles fan. I'm did not you sure. Did you try to recruit him at Temple? No, we had his brother though. His brother Sean Daniels was a, uh, a pass rusher there. Okay. Yeah. Not not in the league. Not in the league. No. Um, had potential, but I wanted you to. I wanted to tell you that uh, uh, the other day I had a, I had a hankering for uh, doing a uh, like college football recruiting uh, on uh, you know like like on Xbox or on on PlayStation like you know back when I used to do that. Uh, and I went out and bought like an old, uh, like NCAA 2K13 or whatever. And I'm in right now in my first season as the head coach of Temple University. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you didn't go with Wake, huh? No, I've done Wake before. I wanted to see what it'd be like to recruit to Philly. How many championships so have like you won at, as the head coach of Wake? I don't know. That's was this was that was a long time. Yeah. Ago. I haven't that, I haven't done these uh, these things in I would say maybe ten years or so. Yeah. Uh, so I'm. I'm it's always fun. It's always fun. Yeah. Tough loss for the Temple Looking, Owls. I've got weekend. a chance to send the number five tight end in the country, so keep an eye <laughs> on that. There you go. The next, uh, the next Cody Booth or Steve Maneri. Both those guys <laughs> are in the league. Tight ends. 
Pebble. Uh, who is the uh, Evan Rodriguez? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's out already. Uh, <laughs> at least those two guys. Those two guys start <laughs> mostly as tackles. They actually made the transition from tight end to tackle. Who's the best? Well, uh, I was going to ask. Muhammad Wilkerson. Yeah, that's an easy answer. Who's yeah. the second best? The second best current owl in the NFL? Terrence Knighton? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Who's the third best? Um, I would say it would either Fred be got bored Tahir, in his Tahir room, Whitehead. So. Probably Tahir Whitehead. He's playing a really <coughs> pretty playing at a really high level right now for Detroit. Cause, he's uh, on the defense? Yeah. He's starting for uh, for Tulloch because Tull- Tulloch was out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he's playing really well. Um. Jaquan had a huge had a huge day oh, this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Amazing a huge day. day against Pittsburgh. What, right. two interceptions, a sack, yeah, and a sack, forced fumble. fumble. Double J. Brandon McManus is uh, kicking field goals for Denver. Took Matt Prater's job. Temple's everywhere, man. Oh, look at that. Hashtag Temple made. Uh, that's all I got. Where was my, uh, where's my Jaquan Jarrett headline from the night he was drafted? That was the best headline I ever wrote. Oh. For, I ever wrote for, uh, oh, it was live from Bedford Stuyvesant. Yes. Oh, no, it was the livest one. Was the headline, and then the subhead was live from Bedford Stuyvesant. It's the Eagles' second round draft pick, Jake Lundgren. That's the, the best Brooklyn headline I've ever, I've ever written. He's it's from Bedsty. That's yeah. a good one. It's good. Look at that. You, okay. have, you you did print out and have it on your on your wall for I'm, quite some And time. listen, I've written a lot of good headlines. Uh, I remember uh, uh, when the Eagles were going down to play the Falcons, and they had a backup quarterback, and we had to give this the scouting report on their backup quarter, quarterback. The headline was the method for Redmond. Mm. It's pretty good. That was good. I like that. I like that. Thanks. We don't have a track to play for that. Like uh, I won't ever bring up uh, ODB. Yeah. So no. Uh, no. We're Dur- all no, Brian no, Thomas. No, no, no Durock Wilder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll take it. He's really good, by the way. Yeah, he's a really he's good. He's really good. We'll talk, I guess we'll talk about that in around the NFCs because that's really all the Giants have to uh, to hold their hat on. But yeah, he's really good. Indeed. I think that's going to do it for this edition yeah. of the Eagles Insider Podcast. We're trailing off a little bit. You probably have turned it off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you hear about Temple football, it's like, all right, it's oh. time, to, time to turn it off. Might but be Penn State this weekend. Wishful thinking. We'll see. Is it home or? Uh, is in yeah. Happy Valley. Okay. So Skrowski won't be there. Are you making the trip, Brian? Are you going to go? No. no. Are you in Lambeau this weekend? Nope. Not no. in Lambeau this weekend. Okay. Back in the studio. I should be in the studio the rest of the year. Excellent. So there you go. Nice. What's better than this? <laughs> yes. And on that note, for Fran Duffy and Bowl from Chris McPherson, thanks for joining us. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>